What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Thursday, May 5th, 2016, and you guys listening to episode 256, Cinco de Mayo. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody had a great time in between shows, and uh, I got a great show for you guys today. I want to talk about my trip to uh, ATL I want to talk about some cool stuff that happened out there. We had a great time. Uh, Talk real quick about this election. I'm not going to get into it too much, but the fact that I think it's just down to Trump and Hillary now, which is pretty interesting. Um, But again, I'm not going to get into that too much. Um, Trying to do this podcast with my dog, not in his crate or outside on his runner or whatever, so I'm, I'm going to try to do this with a wild animal running around near me, so you may hear interruptions or curses like, fuck, what the fuck, stop, you know, if that happens, I'm sorry, um, that I'm just dealing with a five-month-old wild animal that uh, is a sight hound and sees something and just wants it, so uh, it's pretty nuts. Um, he actually chewed on uh, one of my, one of the chairs in the kitchen. My wife lost her shit last night. It was pretty nuts. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, I got a great filled show for you guys today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy TVE number 256. Before we get started, of course, we're going to get to the sponsors. The Verzi Effect podcast is sponsored by GonzoFame.com. Go to GonzoFame.com for the best, most in-depth interviews with your favorite comedians of today. Up-and-coming comedians, established comedians, comedians you know and love, just doing great interviews, uh, stuff you learn about them or, or hear hear about them that you never really, you know, knew. And uh, this website gives you the opportunity to uh, to read that stuff about these guys. Uh, I did one. I had a great time. Dave Gavry out there, funny comedian in Chicago, runs the site. And he does a great job. So check out gonzofame.com as they're always adding more comedians to the site. Also, uh, the new sponsor, which I'm very excited about, City Living Dog. Go to citylivingdog.com and Coach Mike Reed, who does a, I mean, this guy is... Um, Honestly, like, just uh, the way, you know, he's helped me just by so long of talking to him and about stuff. And, you know, he's actually coming over to the house next week and he's going to um, hang out with Lloyd and see Lloyd's behavior and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, but just the things that he knows and the dogs and the videos, if you, if you go to um, citylivingdog.com, you can look at his YouTube clips, but he's got amazing, I mean, this guy has had really wild animals and misbehaved dogs just calm down. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, patient with them. He's awesome at what he does. And uh, I would uh, suggest anybody, um, anybody in the country for that matter, should go and look at the, you know, should look at the, the videos and all that stuff. But if you're in the tri-state or New England area and you have a dog, um, you know, definitely contact Mike Reed, go to citylivingdog.com. This dude is a dog whisperer, basically. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's crazy. Uh, some people just got it. Some people don't. I can tell you right now, I don't, you know, I try, but then I just, I just go to like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like I don't scream that at the dog, but in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. Like, so I don't have the patience. You know, I'm just like, dude, what are you, why that? Why are you chewing that? Like, that's deer shit. Like, why are you eating that? Or why, 
are you, you know, biting like stuffed animals and how come you're ignoring all the toys that we bought? You know, I spent $200 on this dog to have fucking toys. And he's like, ah, nah, I'm going to just eat the shit that your kids love. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to eat, yeah, I'm going to chew on the furniture, but. Uh, he's definitely getting better, and, uh, you know, it's because of guys like uh, Coach Mike Reed, so check him out, citylivingdog.com. Also, go to um, allthingscomedy.com for your favorite podcasts. So many great podcasts with comedians that you love, so many podcasts on there that um, you would never have to listen to anything else. You could just pick a bunch of podcasts every day, and there, there you'd have it, but they have amazing podcasts out there. Go to uh, allthingscomedy.com to see them. Also, All Things Records, where they're putting out comedy albums. And uh, follow them on Twitter, at allthingscomedy. Now, I wanted to uh, talk about the trip that I just took with uh, Joe Bartnick. Um, I was headlining the Atlanta Punchline, and my buddy Joe Bartnick came along. And uh, he's working on stuff, and he was like, man, let me... uh, let me get this working with you, Verzi. And I was like, this is going to be the shit. So we had such a good time like to be with a guy that I tour with anyway. And uh, let me just, uh, I want to thank the Punchline in Atlanta. Unbelievable room. It's at the, uh, it's attached actually to the Landmark Diner. So when you hear that, you're like, oh, it's attached to a restaurant. And, it's a re- and, and this is an A-list comedy club. And I'm like, how does it? And, um... You'll see, it's just like what a comedy club, it's like what comedy clubs were built on. Like, it's what it is. The dimensions are incredible. You know, I've talked about it on radio out there, and and I was telling the owner, and I I meant it, you know. uh, You guys have heard the show a lot. I never really talk about the dimensions of the actual room. What they did at the punchline was, you know, just like low ceilings, wide club, When you stand on the stage, you just get the feel. And what they did was they took the old stage that they had from like the 80s, like, you know, Richard Pryor stood on. And they like carved out the middle of it and they put that wood there. So like when you're standing in the middle, you're standing on a historic piece of history and comedy and you could feel it. And I had had such a good time. I want to thank everybody who came out there, um, especially Sunday was like insane storms. Like I was laying in my hotel and um, it just, I'm laying there and uh, Bartnick texted me and he goes, you better bring plastic bags. And he meant for my Jordans because I had Jordan 4s with me, which were my favorites. The uh, Jordan 4 white cements. And I got to talk about this too because there's definitely something about Jordan I need to mention. But um, I mean, I was laying down and the thing about the South is in the south, it could be sunny, and then all of a sudden get overcast, and it sounds like hell is coming. Like, it's a storm. You're like, what the fuck? Are we going to make it through this? Like, I was just waiting. The rumbling and thunder and lightning was so crazy uh, Sunday morning that or afternoon that I'm like, I think the structure of the hotel is just going to fucking blow up. Like, I, th- I think the, the, it's going to crumble down. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Just rained all day, but just the storm was nuts. And uh, it was a really light crowd on Sunday, but people, um, you know, still came out. It was shout out. And I told one of my fans, a diehard TVE fan, uh, Nick Wright. Shout out to Nick Wright and uh, his lovely girlfriend who came out and they sat front and center. 
And uh, they actually got to see a cool show because me and, um, you know, Bartnick and, and the host there, Mag, we were just kind of, you know, messing around with the light crowd and everything like that. Um, but uh, everybody who came out Saturday was great. Uh, there were three shows on Saturday, 6, 8, and 10. They were saying that the 6 o'clock, you know, was uh, was great for the amount of people that came for 6 because they're still working. I guess a 6 o'clock show was really early, but it was still good. Uh, 8 o'clock was crazy, and the 10 o'clock was awesome too. So Saturday was great. I had a great time on Friday. Just all the shows, you know, but um, everybody that came out, especially, you know, when it's storming and all that stuff, to still come out and see, I really uh, appreciate appreciate that so thank you so much Atlanta is an amazing city the punchline is an amazing club run by like owners that just get it no comedy and like comedy and there's nothing better than that you know there's nothing better as a comedian than when you go to a city if, are you... ah, fuck he's eating one of my daughters my little ponies I think um yeah there's nothing better than you know, when you go to a city and you know it's an A room and the owners actually give a shit about comedy the right way. You know, they care. They're like, they're they're into it. They know it. They understand. Um, I had a great time on the radio out there. I did the Bailey and Southside show and it was awesome. And, uh, you yeah, know, it, it was just a really good, really good time um, to, to, anytime you go to Atlanta, it's the best. I mean... To hang out in Atlanta is to just have a good time, eat good. They have an amazing cigar lounge, which we went to a couple of times. But also something really cool happened at the club that I wanted to talk about. So I believe it was Friday night. Was it Friday night? But it wasn't Saturday. Yeah, it was Friday night late show. That's what it was. It was Friday night late show which is usually drunk, you know, the famous saying um, by Steve Martin, why'd you stop doing stand-up? And he, his answer was, late late show Friday. Because <laughs> it's just known to have, you know, just kind of drunk and, you know, more rowdy and antsy, and you probably, you, you know, you, you got to really, you know, get off your act and deal with shit, and then go back to your act, which is fine, we're pros, and we have a lot of fun doing it, but yeah, I mean, sometimes when you want to do something, and there's just some fucking absolute animal in the club, talking shit, or doing whatever, so, something really cool happened, the owner comes out on Friday, for the first show, which I had a lot of fun on Friday's first show, I had fun on all the shows, all the shows were great, it's a great club, but uh, the owner comes out, you know, the owner's booking me to headline his room, and, you know, he wants to see what's going on. We went to radio early in the morning. Shout out to Jamie Bendel, awesome dude, awesome club owner, just a good guy, good dad, just one of those guys that gets it, right? And I've hung out with him before in Atlanta when I opened up for Burr at the Tabernacle. We hung out and all this stuff. So Jamie shows up to the club, and he's like, yeah, you know, watch the set, and he watches the set. I have a great time, and we're just, you know, talking shop in the green room and just having a really nice time, just having a, a great time at the club. And he talked about my show, that he liked my show. We were going over a bit, and everything is good. It's all, you know, it's all you could ever ask for when somebody who's booking you and paying you, you know, comes out to see you. 
So he's like, all right, man, well, I'm, I'm going to take off and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, you know, great seeing you, great talking to you. And then he says to me, um, oh, real quick about your one joke for what it's worth. When you went into it this way, I didn't see how the beginning went, but, you know, I really liked the ending. But if, if the beginning, you could actually explain like this. And we're just talking shop. And I go, wait, wait. And I, I'm like such a student of the game and I'm so into, you know. And, and when you talk to a club owner, that, that's the thing about it. You know, Marcy, who works their door, and she manages the club, she's been there for 30 years. So when somebody like Marcy is like, you did such a good job and is really funny, you're like, oh, my God. And I said, I go, that means anytime somebody like that says something, it means way more. Do the math. It's the best club in Atlanta, and they've been there for 30 years. Who has she seen? Fucking everybody. She's seen everybody. You name somebody in comedy, they went through the punchline. You know, huge names. Everybody goes through the punchline. So when he's talking to me about one of my bits, I go, oh, I'm sorry, wait, can you come here real quick? Because we were like kind of in the showroom when it was leaving, filing out. And I wanted to hear what he had to say. So we go back in the green room and he's telling me about the bit. And I go, oh, great, great, you know, whatever. And he leaves and he goes, all right, man, I'm out of here. And I go, cool, man, good to see you, Jamie. And we, we walk out of the green room together. And who do we see standing there but legendary comedian George Wallace? Uh, if you don't know who George Wallace is, you're just not that into stand-up. George Wallace, we took a picture, it's on my Facebook, it's on Twitter. George Wallace is a 40-year vet. He is, I mean, he's been in a bunch of movies and television shows. He's, uh, he's actually Seinfeld's best friend. Gary Shanling was his best friend, um, you know, rest his soul. And I'm just looking out there, and I just, I mean, you've seen him on a million things. And Bartnick's looking at me like, dude, what the fuck? George Wallace is here. And uh, we're waiting for the, um, you know, second show Friday to come in. You know, nice little crowd, whatever. Not not packed, packed, but, you know, nice little crowd, late show Friday. And uh, they were like, oh, you know, George wants to know if he could do some time on the show. And I'm like, fuck yeah, you could do some time on the show. Are you kidding me? You know, I don't care. You know, I know it's my weekend and I'm headlining and stuff like that. And, you know, me and Bartnick are having a great time doing stuff. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, if it was some local guy going, can I get time? I'd still be cool. But, but yeah, give him a few minutes. This is George fucking Wallace. So I'm just like, this is really cool. And he's hanging out and he's nice. And, he, you know, he meets us and stuff. And... He's like, yeah, I haven't been on stage in a while, man. I just want to throw these ideas out there. I appreciate it. We're like, yeah, man, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, Bartnick is super excited. Uh, the host goes up. And then after the host, Jamie Bendel, the owner, goes up. And he says, oh, you know, this doesn't happen all the time. But sometimes he joked, like something along the lines of, I wish this did happen all the time. But it doesn't, but happy to announce, blah, 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 George Wallace. George Wallace goes up, and you could hear people in the crowd go, oh, shit, no way, no way. And he's just standing there, and he's just throwing ideas out, and he's just working like a, like an old-school vet that he is. He's just throwing stuff out there, and he was just, you know, super funny and super cool, and you could tell he was just really enjoying just being up there. And then the coolest shit happened. The coolest shit happened after that. So he, he's done his, you know, he's done his set and he's just had fun with the crowd. And then he goes uh, to the bar, which is right 
like it's 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 15 the bar is like 10 yards in front 15 yards in front of the stage and he's just sitting at a chair at the bar watching the stage so I'm like this guy's going to stay here for 5 minutes you know this guy's going to stay here 5 10 minutes and you know and that's it so Bartnick gets on stage excuse me while I sip hold on so Bartnick's on stage and Joe starts going into his jokes and I'm watching George Wallace watching him and George Wallace is laughing and a couple times he's clapping I'm like that's really cool man this legendary 40 year comedian who I think is from Atlanta or from Georgia but he's got I mean George Wallace has made a lot of money he's got houses in Vegas and he's got houses in LA and I'm sure New York and he's got houses all over the place so uh, he's just sitting back there. He's probably just home at his place in Atlanta. He's like, I'm going to go to the club. And he's just watching Joe. So now I'm like, there's no way he's going to watch me. Guy stays there through Bartnick's whole set. I see him get a water. Marcy, who's working there, is like, oh, he's still here, but he's probably going to leave. I think he's leaving. So then I get on stage, and I go into my thing, and he's sitting right there. And 10 minutes in, he's sitting right there. And 15 minutes in, he's right there. And, I'm, you know, and I actually saw George Wallace laughing and clapping at some of my shit, clapping and, and laughing and just having a, you know, into the show. And he stayed there and he watched me do almost an hour of work. And then afterwards, we were joking with him. We're like, George, why don't you come with us to smoke a cigar? And he's like, man, I ain't going to smoke no... F-. He literally said this. He goes, man, I ain't going to smoke no fucking cigar. He goes, but I'll take a picture with you. He goes, just go sell your shit, take pictures with your fans, and then I'll wait. And he's just waiting, and he's hanging out. And then uh, me and, and, and somebody that was there, one of the fans was there just talking and was telling us that it was his first time ever being to a comedy show. And, you know, the guy had uh, apparently had a really rough life coming up. And me, George, and Joe were just talking to him and, like, just talking about the power of comedy and how it helps people and how it heals people and, like, everybody was into it. And then, you know, without going into everything that we talked about, me, uh, Bartnick, and then George Wallace are in the green room and he's just telling us amazing stories. He's just telling us amazing stories about, um, you know... Seinfeld and and in the being in the business and coming up in the business and all this stuff, all this unbelievable you know wealth of knowledge, just just of stories and just so much amazing, beautiful shit that like you know not to sound corny, but like I could never imagine when I was a little boy or even when I first started doing stand up for that matter, when I first did an open mic at you know twenty one years old and when I got real serious about it at twenty three, twenty four years old, you know. I could never imagine that, like, people that I grew up watching on TV and these people that are, like, stand-up comedian legends would now pop into my headline show and jump on stage and then hang out and talk. It was, it was just so cool. And, you know, I was, like, just kind of tired and thinking about, like, my act and going through stuff. And then all of a sudden I see Bartnick, how excited he was. And I'm like, yeah, dude, George Wallace is here. Um... You know, the funny thing is, though, like, once he was, like, starting to wrap up, I'm like, all right, man, get the fuck off. It's, it's, it's my time. <laughs> I just, I'm just kidding. But you're always like, you're always like, all right, that was great. Let's, uh, and I was like, no, but you know what the great story is? It's like, it's already late show Friday, so sometimes it could always be an uphill battle. There were drunk people that I had to deal with. I did. I had to deal with drunk people. I had to ask drunk people questions and, and then go back into my act 
You know, I really had to work and I really had to maneuver my way through the set. All the while, while this 40-year fucking four-decade vet is sitting there watching and now we're, we're, the show's done and we're in the green room talking. So we say our goodbyes and he was such a sweetheart, man. He was such a... He's like, I love you guys, man. I love you guys coming up. But God bless you. Best of luck to you and all that. And we're like, wow. You know, so... We say goodbye, and he goes over to Marcy, who's been there. They've known each other forever and ever. And me and Joe go outside the place, and we're standing outside, and I'm like, Joe, look, um, there's a there's a cigar lounge, which is like one of the best in Atlanta, and it's called um, Cigar City Club. And it was literally on the same road as the comedy club, but like five miles down. I remember the address and everything. And uh, so I'm all excited to go. We're looking to go and we like call a car and we're waiting for a car and we're talking about what a crazy night that was. It's awesome. And, you know, you always say like, hey, man, to Joe, I hope you're having fun. And Joe's like, are you kidding me? This is the greatest time. We're just having this great time. We're just having a, an absolute blast, right? So we're waiting out there and Uber's taking long or he's trying to contact an Uber. And uh, George Wallace sees us. And he's coming down the stairs. And he's like, man, you guys are still here. And we're like, yeah, with this and that, we're going to the cigar lounge. And, you know, so we start talking to him real quick. And he was, you know, Joe was on the phone with Uber. And so George is like, well, where's the cigar lounge? And I go, no, it's actually not far. I go, it's on this road. It's just it's just down like three to five miles or whatever and thing. And George Wallace goes, well, come on, come on. And he just starts walking towards his car. And I'm like, yeah? He's like, yeah. So he's got this nice, beautiful, white, like, um, truck, this SUV, like a Buick or whatever, but it was nice and new and, like, loaded. And, um, I don't know, it was a rental or whatever. Shit was, it was dope, though. It was nice. And we're just sitting there, and I told Joe, you know, you get in the front. Joe's a lot bigger than I am. I'm sitting in the back. And now George Wallace is driving us, you know, and he didn't even know where. He's like, where am I going? I'm like, ah, I think it's just down this way. And we're just driving, talking. And for anybody that doesn't know, George Wallace's name for a while was Mr. Las Vegas. He had a 10-year stay doing his show at the Flamingo in Vegas. And they called him Mr. Las Vegas. And um, I was asking him about that. I was like, oh, you at the Flamingo? And he was like, oh, I stopped. I was there 10 years. And he's telling us a story about how Seinfeld came in and got on stage one time when he was there because they're such good friends. And... Um, just telling us all these amazing stories and, uh, and, you know, dropped us off at the cigar lounge and, uh, just literally dropped us off, talked to us, said, God bless you guys, all the best, shook his hand and he just drove away. And that was the, 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 the what we did on Friday night. Uh, some of you people may not know who George Wallace is, Google him and then you'll know who it is. If you know comedy, you know, you, you've definitely seen him. But uh, really cool, really cool, legendary uh, guy, and uh, that's that's a night that I'll never forget in my career to be able to you know say that I I did that and and that he came through and of all nights and you know people are like oh my gosh you know comedians were going nuts like George Wallace stopped in and it's like of all nights of all places you know late show in Atlanta Georgia. You know, and he just popped in and gets on stage and then we end up hanging out with him. So that was something that was, you know, that I won't forget. Now, one thing that I got to talk about here 
and I hate to do this, but I'm actually conflicted about this, and this is really serious, so I'm glad, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that this came up, because I remember when it happened, I was like, all right, enough of this, I have to make a point of this on the podcast and talk to you people, so this is what happened. It'll come full circle, the story, because I was at the Cigar Lounge two nights in a row. After we did that Friday, we had such a good time Friday that Saturday, we we're like, let's just go there. You know, we're drinking a couple of old fashions, and, and we're just having a great time. So, I am on the, um, I'm on the airplane, and I'm talking to a flight attendant. And I'm not going to mention names. Flight attendant and I start talking, and we kind of mentioned, I mentioned before, Flight attendant got excited when she found out that I was a comedian. She was a big fan of comedy, right? So, we start talking about who's a dickhead, what celebrities came on, and what famous people came on that were dicks or that were cool, and we start talking. And I hear, once again, Michael Jordan is a dick. Now, guys, I've heard Michael Jordan is a dick, like... The amount of times I heard Michael Jordan's a dick is actually crazy bizarre. Uh, You hear it in show business when you always hear that somebody's a nightmare on set or there's a nightmare actor, and then you finally meet some famous people and you're around them, and you're like, hey, what's the deal with that? Is that true? And they kind of just look at you and you're like, yeah, it's fucking true, right? So I'm, I mean, I heard stories about Michael Jordan, you know, limo driver opened the door, and waiting for a tip, and Michael Jordan just handed him his fucking ch- chicken wings bones, the bones from his chicken wings, just handed it, and the guy just fucking threw it on the ground. I mean, I've heard stories where he doesn't want to sign things. I've heard stories where he, I mean, I've just heard n- nightmare things about Michael Jordan, okay? So then the argument is, well, you know, that that's kind of his personality. That's what made him so great. He's got that edge. He's kind of got that fuck everybody thing. It's all about me, and that's what made him great. Okay, that's good and well. But, you know, when does it come down to just being a dickhead human being? Or when does it come down to just being a fucking asshole? How about being that, you know, that bad motherfucker, that gangster dude that can just, you know, destroy anybody and being a sweetheart? Is there anything, you know, that's what I like, you know? I, you know, no matter, like, I, I just never understood that, no matter how good you get, you know, take, take, take a comedian, for example, now, I never met Eddie Murphy, but the, from the, from some of the things that I've heard from Eddie, about Eddie Murphy, that he's not, you know, he's actually so famous that he's, it's probably awkward, but I heard he's not a bad guy, you know, uh, to, I'll, I'll, let, let's make it closer to me, a guy like Bill Burr, one of the greatest com- working comedians, I think will go down as one of the greatest comedians ever, uh, his body of work speaks for itself. If you know Bill, I mean, listen. If you, if uh, there have been times where we've been touring on the road and people have no tact and they don't know how to approach it, and they're assholes, and then that's going to make somebody even a great guy like Bill, because Bill's a great guy, he's great to his fans, but that's going to make somebody go easy, man. What, what are you doing? You know, um, but there's no reason for that. So I don't understand why somebody so great like that, like Jordan, would be like that. Now. I'm sure he's been cool to people, obviously. But so I listened to this story number six or seven about how he wanted first class all to himself and he was just mean and cheap and all that. And I still let it go. And I'm still rocking this guy's fucking sneakers, right? So then this happens. The Saturday night after, you know, the George Wallace night where me and Joe went to the 
cigar lounge and we drank a couple of drinks, you know, had some cocktails, drank a really good stick and I mean, uh, smoked a really good stick with the drinks, everything like that. Let's go back Saturday. So we go back Saturday after the third show. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was shot. I'm not trying to sound like a fucking baby. I'm not trying to sound like, I know it's what I do. People are like, what the fuck you mean? It's what you do. I get it. It's what I do. But I, you know, doing a six o'clock, then an eight o'clock and then a 10 o'clock, um, it's, you put a lot in, like I give everything, you know, but I remember like I was, I was, it was hot in there. I was sweating and I'm not really a big sweater. And I was just like, this is fucking nuts. So I just was really like at the end of the night was just kind of like, cause I wanted to make sure that I gave the eight and the 10, the same amount of energy that I gave the six and give it everything, you know? And I'm proud to say that I gave just as much on the, the last one as I did on all of them, if not more. Cause I was, you know, I want to fucking give my, my fans a show. I want them to come back when I come back to Atlanta. So I'm just sitting there and I'm relaxed and I'm tired. And I was, I was literally fantasizing. I was fantasizing halfway through the night of work. I just was like, oh my God, at one point tonight, I'm going to be sitting on a leather chair. I'm going to have an amazing cigar in my hand and I'm going to have a, just a great drink. And I'm just going to sit back and know the night is over. I did my job. And I'm going to relax. And that's what you look forward to. You know, it's like when you're at work and you fucking know it's like 4.37. And you're like, holy shit, this is going to be epic. I'm going home. I'm ordering Chinese food and I'm watching two documentaries on Netflix. Like when you get there, like that's where I was at mentally. And the manager, who also was the guy that worked the humidor when we bought the cigars, was this big guy named Al. And Al was super cool Friday night. So we're like, oh, let's go back and see Al. So we go back in the humidor. We both get the same cigars we had the night before because we loved them so much. And, um, you know, oh, and I wanted to uh, definitely, definitely what I wanted to do was uh, shout out this unbelievably lovely family that came with us uh, to, to the to the cigar lounge. I would be, it would not be cool if I did not do that. So, um, yes, uh, uh, Jim Darnell and his lovely family. So Jim Darnell is a, he's a businessman. He travels constantly, but he's a huge podcast fan. He's a TVE fan. He's a fan of all of ours. He knows we like cigars. He was been tweeting, Hey, I'm going to come and bring cigars. He brought cigar, him and his lovely wife and his son and his, he just brought friends. It was great. And uh, he was like, what are you guys doing after? And I told him straight up, like, you know, we're going to Cigar Lounge. So we all went together and uh, they stayed for a while. Lovely family, great people. And I want to thank thank you for your just how generous. He was just generous, brought cigars, you know, bought drinks. And, and he didn't have to do that. So it was great. Uh, so to uh, Jim Darnell and his family, thank you. I hope you're listening to this. Um, so we all go and we, we see Al and, and so that they leave and now it's just me and Joe again and it's pouring outside and they're about to call last call cause things are shutting down at two o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, Oh shit, man. Like, what are we going to do? It's raining. And like, you know, they wanted people out. So Bartnick's like, Al's not going to kick it. Al, we'll just talk to Al. So Al comes down, they turn the lights on, we barely have a drink left. We're still smoking like a quarter of a cigar. And we're talking to Al, and Al's like, no, no, stand by the door, man. When your cab comes, I'll let you out. I'm just going to lock it, but when the cab comes, I'll let you out. And we start talking, and we start talking jazz music, and we start talking like Miles Davis, and we start talking all kinds of 
you know, Smokey Robinsons and, and, and all these different people that, that, you know, Bartnick and, and, uh, you know, Al knew more than me, but I, you know, I know Miles Davis and some people like that, but we're just talking about, you know, experiences and music and all kinds of stuff like that. He knew we were comedians in town and everything like that. We're having this great conversation. And then he hits me with it. Then he says, uh, I was wearing the Jordans. And he goes, man, I used to wear those. I don't wear those anymore after the last time that fucking guy came in here. Or after the last time, and I was like, oh no, here we go again. Here we go again. And it was a story where Jordan went in there and didn't tip or said the most he'd ever tip somebody is $20. And just another Jordan being a dick and Jordan being cheap. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so here we go. I got flight attendants telling me, there's all shit on the internet. Then I got another guy telling me about the chicken wing story. Now I got this guy who was a lovely man, great person, letting me and my friends stay out of the rain and smoke cigars in a shop that's closed down or, I mean, closed, whatever. You know, they had to obviously take away the alcohol. You weren't allowed to drink after a certain time. They did everything by the rules. But like, you know, he was just so cool and we're talking and we don't know the guy two days and he's treating us like this. And then here we go. I'm not wearing Jordans ever again after the shit that this guy pulled. And you just keep hearing that the guy sucks. Now I'm sitting there with my brand new gleaming white Jordan 4 white cements on. And I'm going, you know, I'm willing to pay this man a shitload of money, a ton of money for these fucking sneakers. And he's a dickhead like that. And I got to be honest, I'm like one story away from just not doing it anymore. Then I was like trying to rationalize. I'm like, all right, maybe, you know, he wasn't really like too big of a player in 90. Or like, I mean, he just started to get really big then. So like if if this is the last pair I get. So now I actually like whittled it down to getting sneakers where like he was still young and not the full-fledged like insane six-time NBA champion that he is now. So I'm only going to get like the Jordan like you know, three, four, and fives, and then after that, I'm never getting another one because he was an asshole by then. It just sucks to hear. It do- it sucks to hear that, doesn't it? You know, like, if, if, if just somebody that's so beloved and somebody that's so good at what they do, and you find out that they're just a dickhead, it's the worst. And I don't know if I want to keep giving this guy money. This guy made $100 million on his shoe company last year. That's probably more money than he's ever made in the NBA. It is. It is more money than any year. I mean, not overall, but in any year, he's never made $100 million just in the NBA ever because they had salary cap and all that stuff. So with endorsements and everything. I remember one year with his salary in the NBA and endorsements, he made like $90 million. Just last year, he made $100 million from his Jordan sneaker brand. So this guy doesn't like to tip more than $20. I mean, I fucking tip that to, you know, car service companies when they drive me somewhere or, you know, as I tip that to, to the, you know, to people that are, you know, fucking bellhops or whatever. This guy's going to go into his cigar lounge and you hear shit about LeBron being cheap too. It's like, what the fuck are these guys so cheap for? What are you cheap for? That shit comes around, dude. That's why, you know something. And, and that means like people are unhappy. I got to be honest with you, man. I really don't have I really don't have, like, time and patience for people that are cheap. The two things that are the most off-putting things you could be in this world are cheap and selfish. 
everybody's selfish to a certain extent. But you got to push it down and be, like I said, I said on stage, the least amount of piece of shit you could be. And try to suppress that and try to, you know, you know, do unto others the way you want done to yourself. That's that's the way that you want to be. That's the way that you want to raise your kids and all that stuff. And to have a hundred, first of all, do you know what a hundred million dollars in a year would do? Uh, first of all, $20 million. If you kept $20 million in the bank, you'd never have to do anything the rest of your life. $10 million, you'd never spend it. Because on interest alone, as long as you weren't spending it like fucking Mike Tyson in 1989, you were going to save your money. You know, you're going to, you're going to save your money. Your money's going to work for you and you're just going to never really spend anything. Okay, a hundred million dollars, and this is Michael fucking Jordan. This is the greatest basketball player to ever walk this earth. This is one of the richest men in the world. He has one of the most unbelievable shoe brands that 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 there is out there. People all over the world buy Jordans. Okay, he's he's got this unbelievable brand, and he doesn't like to tip, and he treats people like shit, and he makes nice people at establishments go, yeah, I'm never wearing his sneakers because of the guy he is. That's fucking brutal. You know, it's like hearing Santa Claus is a cocksucker. You don't want to hear that. Like, yeah, he drops off toys, but after he does, he just talks shit about kids. He hates kids. He fuck, you know, like, you'd be like, what? Yeah, he pulls off his beard. The whole thing's a sham. He fucking hates kids. He's, I heard he beat Mrs. Claus. And you're just like, no. Yeah, he doesn't even like cookies. He just throws them away and fucking feeds them to his reindeer and laughs at all the people that stood up late at night making them. And you're like, get the fuck out of Santa. Not fucking Santa. You know, say it ain't so. And 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 it sucks when you feel that way. It really does when they say don't meet your heroes. It sucks. I'm trying to think of the biggest guy I met. I'm trying to think of the biggest star that I met. I think it was, I think it might have been Tom Hanks. Now that I think about it, yeah, I think it was Tom Hanks. I met Tom Hanks. Me and Bill Burr were hammered drunk at a Rangers game in at the Garden. Hammered drunk. I mean, we were throwing down straight vodka like by the pint. I mean, by the first, by the end of the first period, I was fucking lit up. You know, you know you're lit up when you. I had like a conversation with the security guy there for like a fucking 25, 30 minutes. Guy was like my best friend. You know, I'm almost crying when I have to leave the guy, and all he's doing is telling me where our seats are. Like that's when you know. Um, but I met Tom Hanks there. His son was there and they were sitting behind us and Tom Hanks busted my balls. Cause I was like, oh, are you a Knicks fan? And he goes, Knicks fan. He goes, what am I going to do when I come to a Knicks game? Read the paper. He was just like busting my balls. Super funny, super nice guy. And, uh, and was just cool, you know? And it's like one of the greatest actors of a generation, two, two Oscar awards for best actor. You know, I mean, I don't have to go through the fucking Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump. I mean, you big, you fucking name it. And the guy was cool. And, you know, you hear Jordan and all these people are buying his shoes. People are getting killed over this guy's shoes. That's the other thing. Not only should he tip and be a nicer guy and be thankful that his legacy still lives on and people care and they're buying his shoes. People are getting, like, gang members and, and, and gangs are, are fighting over sneakers People getting shot over a pair of sneakers. This guy should lower his fucking prices. And instead, he just keeps them like that. And he's a fucking dick. And he's cheap. I got to be honest. I think I'm sticking to the fours. And then um, and then if they match. Now, other than that, man, I may have to wean myself off these things. Because it's bullshit. It's shitty. 
And I'm trying to think if there was any any celebrity that I met that was just a fucking asshole. No, I really haven't met somebody that was just a full-fledged dick. You know, but I I don't go for that shit, man. Fuck you. You know, you be down to earth and you treat people with respect. The only reason why you made $100 million last year is because people know your name and they fucking loved how you played basketball and they love your sneakers. And the least you could do is not be an asshole. Somebody on the plane was telling me that, like, he'd sit in first class alone. Like, fucking the whole other team would just be in the back. So, it's been too much. I would love to meet him buzzed, because if I was buzzed, I'd say something. I'm never going to see him again. I'm never going to talk to him again. I don't care. A million people say shit to him. I just like to make an impact. Be like, hey, I just want to let you know, man, it's really sad. It really saddens me to have such a beloved guy like you and with your sneakers and everything and people buy them, I buy them and to just, you know, to just hear that you're a cheap dickhead. It's really, it's really sad. Take care. He won't care because he's so bigger and, and all that stuff. He wouldn't care. But I, you know, part of that would, would sit with him, I think. And then there's that clip of Chameleonaire, the rapper who went up to him at a convention and was like, oh, dude, I got all the, I got all your jerseys. I spent $15,000 worth of stuff. Can you sign something? And he said to Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and all them that were there, I ain't signing fucking anything for a rapper. Fuck a rapper. I ain't signing shit. And the guy was like, no, I'm the biggest fan. He just treated him like shit. It's like, guy just said he spent $15,000 on your stuff. And you're, just, you're not going to sign anything? Or I think he said something like, if I sign something, what are you going to give me for? You know, pay me something. And the guy was like, fuck you, dude. You could actually go to that story. Go to Chameleonaire Michael Jordan story on YouTube and you could hear about it. But how many bad stories you got to hear about Michael Jordan? It's pissing me off. But now I'm confused because he's like best friends with Patrick Ewing, who's my fucking guy. So I, I, don't, I don't fucking know. He's best friends with Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley. And Charles Oakley was so cool to me when I met him. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe the limo guy was pushed his, you know, I'm trying to find, like, maybe maybe all, you know, 80 stories were the other guy. I don't fucking know. But it just sucks. Do any of you guys have a story about when you met somebody and they suck? I just, it's, it's a real sad, and it's sad to hear that. But, um, all right, let me get to my unacceptable, then I'm going to get to your guys' unacceptable. This is uh, TVE episode 256. I'm uh, really uh, enjoying talking to on this one. I don't know. I feel like we're hanging out. This one feels like we are smoking a cigar together, just shooting the shit, you know? I feel like I don't have to be a monkey making jokes every 10 seconds. Like, And then we walk in the diner, and they said, blue. <laughs> no, we're just hanging out here. Uh, my unacceptable was an acceptable, and now I'm turning into an unacceptable, okay? So, I'll explain. I had an, an acceptable where I talked about that kid in, um, I talked about that kid in Subway, who was just so fast, and I was like, wow, this guy's going to be a manager, and he's like, I already am. I go back there with my kids to get Subway and, you know, get them cookies and, you know, just, you know, eat the turkey shit, the healthy shit there. It's kind of light. So uh, I take the kids there, and um, this same, you know, sandwich Nazi guy, Subway Nazi guy is there, the kid, and, and I guess the owner. And they're talking. And I just go, uh, yeah, let me get, uh, he almost looked angry. 
And like that's how much of a rush he was in. I was like, no, you know something? He's not a good employee. He's a fucking rushing, rushing people dickhead. So I'm reversing my acceptable and I'm saying unacceptable. And next time I go there, I'm going to tell the guy to calm the fuck down because I'm pissed off now. I really am. I'm pissed off at this kid. This kid needs to, this guy needs to like, and not to mention, he kind of, he kind of shut the door on my kids on the side door. Let me explain. I go to Subway. Okay. And this little rich cocksucker, that's probably what he is. Some little mom and dad give him everything. You know, he's running a Subway. He thinks he's the shit. The fuck out of here. You rich little asshole in Connecticut. Fuck you and your fucking meats and sandwiches. And to probably go back to high school talking shit or college talking shit about how you put the pepperoni on proportion better than anybody. I'm so pissed off at myself for giving this guy an acceptable. I go there. I ask this guy for, you know, my kids just want turkey, six inch, whatever, easy, nothing on it. He goes, yeah, do you know what you want? I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that uh, that new turkey that you got uh, with the bacon and all that. What size? Real quick, interrupts. What size? I was like, I'll do a six inch. What, what do you want on that? You want it toasted? I was like, uh, yeah. What else? And I'm like, yeah, let me get a little bit. He goes, you want any veggies on that? I go, yeah, let me get just a very little lettuce. What else? I get tomatoes. What else? And I was like, rush on to be like, dude, let me fuck. Give me a second to think about my sandwich here, you psychopath. What kind of nut job are you? Nobody's in here, dude. Relax. This guy's got me fucking having an anxiety attack about tomatoes and fucking jalapenos. Are you kidding me, dude? Chill the fuck out, you fucking sandwich nerd. I wanted to say, I swear to God, I'm going in there. I'll be like, dude, you're rushing me. You're rushing me. Give me a second to think. Let me, let me enjoy making this thing. Part of the experience when you get a sandwich is making the fucking thing. I got this kid next. What else? What else? You want a toasted? You want toasted? This guy's acting like there's a line outside the door, like it's Grand Central fucking station. Calm down. Now I'm sitting there and I'm pissed. I'm pissed because he's like, you know, he's just one of these guys. Like, yeah, what else? What's next? Yeah, next, next. I'm gonna, I, I swear to God, I'm going to go in there and go, dude, you know, the first time I saw you, uh, the first time I saw you make sense, I was like, this guy must be good. Now I think you're just nuts. Now I think you're just, I'm going to even say something to the owner. I'm like, look, I appreciate a good worker and stuff like that. I actually complimented this guy one time. But you know what? Now I come in, this guy's like forcing shit. Like this guy's like, like being some kind of fucking sandwich bully. I don't need it. I don't need it. I got enough shit. My wife tells me uh, a million things to do. I don't need some sandwich guy making me feel anxious like I got chores to do because he wants to get olives on a sandwich quicker. I don't need it. Unacceptable. So then I'm sitting down. I know you guys must think I'm crazy for talking about this with a sandwich, but I'm right. I'm right right now. I know I'm right. You could think you could think whatever you want to think. I know I'm right. You know when you get a feeling like, I, I don't feel right right now. This guy's making me feel like that's how I felt. You shouldn't feel like that when you order a sandwich. You know, I'm ordering a sandwich here. It's not that expensive. It's not that big of a deal. What else? What else? Can I get uh, jalapenos? What else? What kind of sauce? What kind of sauce? I was like, what, what comes on it? What kind of dressing? Well, you could get this. You could get this. It's like, I, I don't need you. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my time. I'm going to make this fucker wait and I'm going to say something to him. And then after I do that, I'm never going into that subway again. How about that? Oh, I'll play hardball, guys. I'll play hardball. Buying cookies and shit. Buying drinks. The owner seemed like a sweetheart. We were talking basketball. And he's got this little psychopath in the back. You know, scrapping together sandwiches. Like a like an insane person. Who needs that? Who needs that shit when you're ordering a sandwich? So then I'm sitting down. 
And I start talking to the owner about basketball. And he's talking to a, apparently like a high school or junior high school or high school or some basketball coach in Connecticut walked in. So the, the owner makes a beeline to the guy. And he's talking, did you see that game? Oakley, oh, OKC and the Spurs. And the, did you hear about that play? And, I'm, of course, they got my ear because I'm a sports guy. So I'm listening in. And my kids just kind of drift off down the hallway. And they're standing like next to where the kitchen is. There's a private door that says employees only and the door's open. So my kids are just like looking in there, like laughing, not being rude, not being. And then the, the guy just they shut the door on them. So I said, did he say anything to you? And my kid's like, no, no, he just shut the door. And I was like, but was he rude? He goes, no, no, but you know, he just shut the. And it's like, you know, I don't know what he said, but how about being like, oh, hey guys, like, you know, is everything cool? Did you like being cool? And instead he's just some antisocial little sandwich making bitch. That's what he is. He's a little sandwich-making bitch who takes his job way too seriously. You know? It's like fucking Louis Anderson in um, Coming to America. This kid's getting, you know, first now I'm washing lettuce. Pretty soon I'll be on fries. Then I'll be, you know, a grill man. That's when the big bucks start coming in. Remember that part? Like, that's what this guy wanted to do, except this guy was a dick. Overzealous sandwich bitch. Pissed me off. So I'm done. I'm done. I'm slow. Tell somebody to slow down. You know what I mean? Slow down. We're not, you know, it's not a fucking, this guy's acting like, this guy's acting like, you know, like it's it's a war and you just got to fucking scoop in as many people as you can keep them strength to keep them going. We're not in prison here, dude. We're not on a prison line. This guy's serving, this guy's serving sandwiches like the riot, like a riot's about to happen. All right, I got that off my chest. I'm pissed off, and, and I don't think the story's over. I'm going to go there. I'm just going to be like, all right, dude, relax, dude. You're going a little too fast for me, you know? Plus, when I bite my peppers and shit, okay, when I bite the bread, when I bite the lettuce and the fucking meats, and I bite all the shit that I want to taste on my sandwich, I don't want it to feel like this guy fucking made it with impatience. I don't want some impatient sandwich that doesn't fit. I don't want that. There was nobody behind us. There was three of us. I don't care if you got to go back and open meats or do whatever you have to do or finish your little checklist of work. I feel like being like, hey, dude, you want to be here the rest of your life? No, you don't want to be here the rest of your life. Then, then slow the fuck down. How about that? Are you going to do this the rest of your life or are you going to get a real job? You're making fucking sandwiches for some other guy getting rich. You're a manager. Relax. What do you get in an hour? I felt like saying, dude, how about I, let me pay for this hour. That's what I should have said. I mean, listen, not only am I going to buy the sandwiches, I'm going to pay for this hour so you can slow the fuck down and you don't have to worry about it. There's nobody behind me. Take it easy. All right. What are you making? 15, 20 an hour. Here, here's an extra 20. Calm the fuck down and smile. All right. Let me get to your guys on acceptables. Here we go. Whew. All right. Got a couple here. How much time do we have here? All right. This one is from Greg Roselli. Um, and it says, seating at restaurants. Paul, I don't think there is anything worse than where um, than where you go out to eat uh, and are stuck sitting next to another couple or family. This would be acceptable when you are at a busy place, but it is absolutely unacceptable for these hostesses to sit you directly next to another couple or they seat themselves right on top of you. Now for the next hour or so, you are stuck having to keep your conversation down because the dude sitting behind you can literally hear the entire thing. The same situation goes for sitting at a bar. 
If the bar is empty, you leave um, at least a few seats between you and the other person. Maybe I'm just a miserable bastard and don't want to socialize. I just figure if I'm paying to eat or drink, uh, I shouldn't have to be sitting right on top of people I don't know. By the way, uh, couples with kids who don't stop them from kicking the seat are cra uh, or crawling over your booth are the worst. I think you mentioned it in a previous podcast. Fucking animals, Greg. Thank you, Greg. You're 100% right, and I just honestly don't understand. I think the reason why they do it is because there's one waiter or waitress in an empty space and they want to keep them all in one section so they keep the rest of the restaurant clean either way that's not my problem okay you fucking have the job you can take an extra 10 minutes to clean another section of the restaurant I don't need to hear about somebody gossiping about another couple's divorce while I'm trying to eat a chicken quesadilla all right just give me my time and give me my space 100% agree with you thank you for the submission that's a great one here we go. This is unacceptable. This is from Christina. Dear Paul, my husband Dan uh, at Daudini, D-O, I'm sorry, at D-A-W-D-I-N-I -D -D -I is a big fan of yours. We saw you a few months ago in Long Island City. Today I was inspired to write you about something I find unacceptable. All right, let's do it, Christina. Thank you. I think I remember you guys. And uh, yeah, I think... Uh, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe your husband Dan brought me a cigar and you guys saw me at uh, the standing room. So thank you. Yes. It is unacceptable for a parent to not pick up their eight-year-old child from school simply because they couldn't be bothered. I am a public school teacher uh, in a middle-class neighborhood in Queens. Today I was running an after-school program with half a dozen middle school students creating a set and props for upcoming school play. The office called to tell me that the little brother of one of the students was sitting in the office because no one showed up to get him. They called the mother and she said the boy uh, was the sister's responsibility. The sister is 12 years old, wow, and was with me working on a project. This isn't daycare. This is not acceptable. Wow, I am not responsible for that boy. This is a liable issue holy shit the office was closing and called the mother a second time to insist she come get her son she said no again throwing responsibility on the 12 year old unacceptable hung up and then refused to answer the phone anymore unacceptable forcing us to deal with it unacceptable then the principal sent one of the uh, secretaries to my room with the boy to tell me he had become my responsibility. Also unacceptable. The parent was home. She could have come a mile or so to pick up her child, but simply couldn't be bothered. I am not a babysitting service. I have a master's degree. This is unacceptable. FYI, this isn't the first time this set of parents has pulled this kind of shit, which makes it even more unacceptable. What the hell is wrong with these people? Uh, why even have children if you just can't be bothered? Seriously, just lock them in a cage. Lock them in a cage, Christina. Wow, Christina, great unacceptable. Uh, great first time writing into this uh, show. 
I couldn't agree with you more. I was actually getting enraged, and I'm sure some of the listeners, if I know them the way I think that I do, because people come up to me all heated and fired up. This one will definitely get people fired up, and I agree with you 100%. I think it is absolutely that that's beyond unacceptable. That's fucking criminal. That's like abusive. You know, like how the fuck can you be a home a mile away as the mother of a of a of a young child? Of a young child that's sitting there alone and you're and you're putting the responsibility on his 12-year-old sister? I mean, what the fuck is wrong with people? Seriously, that couple should just be spayed and neutered. And, you know, that is just... And then the fact that she wasn't even answering the phone? So, God forbid, now something happened? What if the kid went into a full-fledged panic that his mother didn't want to get him? What if the kid had asthma and had an anxiety attack? Nothing like that. And this fucking bitch is not answering the phone? Wow, that's unacceptable. Thank you for the submission. That is crazy. That is crazy, and that is a great one. And you're a teacher trying to do the right thing by doing an after-school program, and they put that shit on you? Ridiculous. Oh, I'm getting you fired up, Christina. I know it. Oh, this is... I'm fired up now. It's all this fucking asshole at Subway. Got to resolve it somehow. <laughs> all right. Uh, actually, only a few more. Uh, this one is says, uh, Wedding Pant Pisser. Uh, okay. Tim Williams. Hey, Paul. Finally bought Night at the Stand on iTunes. Great album. Unacceptable that it took me this long to listen to it. Well, thank you. And I agree. You should have got it on opening day. I'm kidding. Uh, my real unacceptable came at a wedding I was at last weekend. We only went to the reception, which started later in the evening, so we had time to kill throughout the day. Uh, being in a city, we were unfamiliar with uh, being in a... I'm sorry. Let me fucking say that again. I'm still fucking hot right now. We only went to the reception... Well, that's probably your problem anyway. You didn't go the whole thing, so something's bound to happen. Kidding. Uh, We only went to the reception, which started later in the evening, so we had time to kill throughout the day. Being in a city we were unfamiliar with, we didn't have much to do during the day, so the majority of it was spent drinking. By the time the reception started, a couple of buddies were already pretty tuned up. One, however, way more than the rest. Oh, boy. He starts tearing up the dance floor with typical white boy <laughs> grocery cart and sprinkle <laughs> foreshadowing moves and we can tell uh, he has about four more minutes before he's blacked out he disappears to the bathroom and 10 minutes later I get a text that says this fucking guy along with a picture of Mr. Blackout with piss soaked pants not talking a little trickle like there was a line in the bathroom and a little piss squeaked out. It looked like he had just <laughs> hugged the sprinkler. Fifteen minutes later, he's back on the dance floor in fresh clothes and the necessary shower seemed to sober him up a bit. Wrong. Someone went up to the room again to grab a pack of smokes and Blackout Boy was fresh out of luck as he had soaked his trousers once again and since he didn't have any more clean clothes, he had to call it a night. Uh, we've all had our mishaps once in a while, but pissing your pants while awake once, let alone twice in one uh, night while at a wedding is first ballot Hall of Fame unacceptable. Lock this kid up in a case of depends. 
Wow, yeah, absolutely. I remember one time I pissed. I got uh I got hammered. My buddy, my friend who had rich parents, uh the mom remarried this like rich guy and we were like valet parking cars and we had a drinking contest and I was just doing shots and drinking anything and I ended up passing out in a chair in a suit and I ended up like puking and then and pissing myself and waking up naked. Everybody woke up and I was just like, I grabbed a corner of a comforter next to my buddy who was on the ground. Everybody was like laying on the floor. I just woke up and go, why am I naked? And everyone goes, what the, he jumped up, what the fuck? But yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> my buddy Chad, I just like laying there. And I go, why am I naked? He jumped up. But uh, yeah, twice in one night while awake at a wedding. Crazy. Uh, definitely unacceptable. Thank you. Uh, two more here. Uh, here we go. Unacceptable. Kyle Santa Laquito. Guido, I hope I said that right. Santa Laquito. I was in class today, and at the end of class, I noticed I stepped in gum. On the way out of the door, I saw four more pieces of chewed gum on the floor around the chair where somebody was sitting. Stick this person <laughs> to the bars of their cage. Unacceptable. Yeah, it's like, how about putting it in a tissue and throwing it out, you fucking animal, instead of throwing it down? Thank you for the submission. Last one, a few points. Catherine Booth. Hi, Paul. I'm a mom who enjoys your podcast. Okay? Uh, I was at the mall yesterday and saw a preteen girl doing cartwheels in a small kitchen store next to the display tables. And yes, her mom thought it was so cute. Animals. Also, my husband bikes to work and on the... Uh, and on the shower doors, they've posted a sign saying, please don't eat in the shower stalls. Dude, how much of a rush are you in to eat breakfast in the shower? That's what P.S. Your album is hilarious, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, the visual of somebody eating in the shower is undeniably funny, but uh, yeah. And doing cartwheels in the thing is not cute at all. I'd be like, yeah, we have a backyard. Why don't we stop, you know, stop acting like this? Uh, thank you guys for the unacceptables. I'm going to see here what's on Twitter. For more unacceptables, please go to unacceptables for TVE. I had a couple of first-time uh, submissions this week, and they all nailed it. Great ones. Uh, really good. So thank you guys so much for that. I hope... Um, I hope you guys uh, listening enjoyed it. And if you have an unacceptable, again, unacceptables uh, for TVE at gmail.com. A couple of uh, Twitter ones, uh, TJ Hernandez at TJ Hernandez. Parents that have their grade school kids in the gym lifting weights. Unacceptable. I agree. I agree. That's actually scary and weird. Uh, you're seeing a little kid like in a gym with weights. I'd be like, what are you doing? Um, that's first of all, and their muscles don't even need that. Their bone structure shouldn't have that. It's just ridiculous. Um, let's see. I think we, uh, I think this was a quick, quick one this week, but every time I do this, I'm going, Oh no, wait, there's one more. So let's see if that's the case here, but no, I don't see any. Um, wow. We might've, that might've been one of the quickest ones. We've had in a while. Oh, I also want to shout out the Mark Aram. Uh, Mark Aram, I was on the Mark Aram show. Uh, 
WSB Radio in um, in Atlanta. So I wanted to say because I, I mentioned that I was on the uh, Bailey and Southside show, but I was also on the Mark Aram show, and he was super super cool. So, um, well, there you have it, guys. How far back am I now? That's on the 28th, and this is the 5th. Yeah, that's it. That's it for the Unacceptables. Thank you guys so much uh, for the support on the albums, and uh, keep sending in your Unacceptables. We are an hour and three minutes in. We got through the Unacceptables. We talked Michael Jordan being a dick. Cool story about Atlanta. Um, So let's do sports and movies. This will be quick. I'll be honest. Um, NBA is, is, I mean, listen, the Cavaliers look amazing. I wanted to, you know, I was home last night, not working. I wanted to put my feet up and watch a good basketball game. I looked, and the Cavaliers were beating the Atlanta Hawks by 40 in the third quarter. So I was like, all right, and everybody else was traveling, so there was no other games. Uh, Yankees were winning, but I just can't get into it right now. I just don't know why. Um, I'll say this, though, and I know this is really early, but I love what the Giants did in the draft. I saw the receiver that they got who's going to be playing alongside Odell Beckham Jr., not to mention uh, they do still have uh, Victor Cruz. Uh, Eli has more targets and more talented targets going into this season. Eli has more talented, healthy targets right now, knock on wood, going into this season than he's ever had. I think he's going to absolutely light it up statistically and have a phenomenal phenomenal uh, year. Um, so that that's my prediction offensively. I don't know how the team's going to do on defense. That was their biggest problem. I think they can make a playoff run, but offensively, I think the Giants are going to be electrifying and a, and a really exciting team to watch. Um, I'm going to try to get into hockey because uh, Joe Bartnick and I were in Atlanta and we were watching it and, uh, you know, just seeing how into it he is. And it really is cool. It really, hockey really is cool, man. I, you know, people that were asking me, how can we not into hockey? How can we don't give a fuck about hockey? It's not that I don't. When I was a little kid, I had Sega Genesis. I had the game, the hockey game, and it was awesome. We would always play video games and hockey. And there were times, you know, when the, when the Rangers, you know, were in the playoffs and uh, they went to game seven against the Kings. I was into it. I was obviously into, you know, Canada uh, and the U.S. playing that overtime game. And then, of course, Crosby gets the goal and fucking crushes us. But I think just growing up in New York uh, with the big three, which is the football, basketball, and baseball, especially when part of the big three is the Yankees, and, uh, and you know, when Ewing and the Knicks in the 90s going against the Bulls and the Pacers, that's kind of why. But I um, I am going to start watching a little more hockey and get into it. Definitely uh, these playoffs I want to watch a little more. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you guys and say that I'm going to be able to watch it really, like, intently and know everybody's name. But just watching the games is really cool. Um, so, but the NBA, NBA playoffs are really good as well. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, UFC. Oh, there's Canelo's fighting Saturday. Canelo's fighting that Khan guy. So it's like power versus speed. Uh, and, you know, but that's so sad that that's happening. And everybody's like, yeah, I'm just waiting for UFC 200. <laughs> but uh, that's it for sports. That's where I'm at with sports right now. Uh, been busy. Haven't been able, been able to watch too much. But it looks like uh, the Warriors and Spurs are on a collision course. You know, you can't count OKC out, but I, I just think it's going to be the Warriors and Spurs in the West. 
and I think it might be the um, either the Heat and Cavs or or Raptors and Cavs in the uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think ultimately, uh, I've been saying it all year. I think ultimately it's going to be the Cavs and Warriors. And I think the Cavs. I mean, and I think the Warriors are going to uh, repeat. Okay, movies. Nothing. I have not watched any. Um, I've not watched any movies. I've just been watching a lot of TV. Uh, when I can at night and I shouldn't even say a lot of TV a lot of TV for me is coming home at night and watching 25 minutes to an hour of TV and falling asleep but if anybody knows any good docs out there hit me up and let me know uh, last movie I saw again was The Jungle Book I said it was great with my kids and um, and that's pretty much it guys that's pretty much it for this episode this has been episode uh, TVE episode 256 I want to thank everybody again for uh, listening. I want to thank everybody uh, for submitting their unacceptables to unacceptablesfortve at gmail.com. I want to thank all the TVE diehards who came out um, to uh, Atlanta, whether there was a storm, whether whatever day it was. Uh, you guys know who you are. Thank you so much. Please go to gonzofame.com to read up on interviews with your favorite comedians. Go to citylivingdog.com and check out Coach Mike Reed. Mike Reed is an absolute monster when it comes to... He's a dog whisperer. I'm so happy he's working with me. And, um, you know, hit him up and look at his videos. Go to City Living Dog and you'll see what I'm talking about. The guy is insane um, in a great way. And uh, all things comedy, too. Uh, for upcoming dates, my plugs, guys, uh, I will be... I just got added. I just found out I will be... I don't get a chance to work with, you know, I'm headlining on my own uh, nationally, which is obviously, you know, a dream for a comedian. That's what I'm trying to do. But uh, I will be going out to Arizona in September, uh, not just for the uh, festival that I'm going to be doing. I'm doing a new festival out there in Flagstaff from September 22nd to the 24th. But looks like I will be in one of the clubs out there. I don't know which one. They're working on it now. But um, I will be in Arizona the end of September, maybe for even, a you know, an extended week or so. So... Um, I'll be in Ottawa this June, uh, the 21st to the, tw- the 20th through the 28th, uh, at Absolute Comedy. But very importantly, guys, next Wednesday is my brother-in-law's, um, benefit, my late brother-in-law, rest his soul, uh, Kevin Lanto. He is, um, you know, inspired us to, to do this, uh, benefit and memorial in his name. Uh, you know, Kevin was just one of those guys or just a really great guy. And we raised, uh, $19,000 last year for a scholarship, um, in his name for somebody to, to go to school. Uh, Kevin was a, a welder, but he was also an amazing artist with metal and stuff and welding and all that. So we put a, um, scholarship in his name. It's, it's a, it's a great cause, uh, yeah, for the Ramapo school in New Jersey, but it's, it's a great cause. We're going to be at Levity Live Wednesday night, May 11th. The lineup right now, I'm not going to give any surprises, but uh, the last year, just so, just to give you guys an idea of how great the show is, last year was, um, oh, and I want to shout out Jim Darnell, who came out to the Cigar Lounge and brought me and Joe Bartnick Cigars. He was actually at last year's benefit, but um, uh, last year's lineup was um, Greg Stone hosted it, Chris Lamberth jumped on it, uh, and then it was... Um, it was me, it was Pete Davidson uh, from Saturday Night Live, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab, um, Bill Burr headlined it, 
and it was just an amazing show. This year, right now, Ken Krantz, very funny comic from New Jersey, will be hosting it. Uh, and the lineup right now is Giannis Papas, myself, Jim Florentine from that metal show, uh, headlined by Bobby Kelly, Robert Kelly, who's a, a monster, and we're working on surprise guests coming in. It's going to be an absolutely monster show. Uh, I don't know where else on a Wednesday night you can see a show like this. I don't care what city you're in. It's going to be a monster show. It is uh, 7.30 Wednesday, May 11th, West Nyack, New York, upstairs in the Palisades Mall at Levity Live Comedy Club, and it is going to be a monster. Uh, tickets are going. Uh, you could see the breakdown of the tickets and the seating. Please check that out. It means a lot to me and my family. So if you are in the area and you want to make a trek, it'll be worth it. They're going to be doing a raffle. There's going to be some NFL stuff there, some products there. Uh, my boy from the NFL Players Association is going to be sending some stuff. So it's going to be really a great cause and a great night of comedy. So please check that out next Wednesday, May 11th at Levity Live. Um, so uh, that's it. For other dates and stuff that I got going on, go to paulverzi.com. Follow me on Twitter at Paul Verzi. That's V-I-R-Z-I if you don't know by now. Thank you guys. Until next week, have a great one. Uh, this has been episode TVE256. I hope you enjoyed it. Take care.